Welcome to the Land Jam Podcast, a semi-friendly discussion between two blokes on watches, cars, and everything in between. Now, here are your hosts, Tommy and Sanjeev. Welcome to the Land Jam Podcast, episode 61, Planting Sycamore with DC Vintage Watches. Welcome back, Nick. It's great to have you on. I, I love the title of this episode. <laughs> we, we love puns here, as, as you well know. So, you know, couldn't help ourselves. Uh, yeah. And now that we're dads and, and all that, we, we try to find reasons to make puns. And <laughs> you need reasons? You don't need reasons. Oh, it, it's starting to become unnatural. Yeah. yeah it's very evolving. <laughs> Great to have you on, Nick. Obviously, you know, the headline, you know, with that really triggered us to to reach out is, is the new sycamore collection um which are original watches from from you um kind of a departure from i guess dc vintage watches where you know you were you were in the vintage watch scene and now you're kind of branching out and designing your own watches so yeah look it's very exciting stuff i kind of wanted to just hear the sycamore story you know like what, what inspired you to to do this sure no it, it, back to the real quick the, the punk thing i mean that's kind of goes with the turf as you get older and then you know, you have kids and that, and you get to make dad jokes, and it gives you carte blanche to do those kind of things. So <laughs> it's it's one of the better things, probably one of the fewer Holy better things. things. <laughs> Getting yeah. older, I think. Uh, you know that I my kids give me eye rolls every time I do that stuff, but I I I don't stop. I take every opportunity for that. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm noticing the older I get and the longer I I I am as a father. I get l more and more seamless about making these kind of jokes and puns. So I'm, I'm loving it. That's awesome. I love it. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, back to your, your question on Sycamore, you know, it was, you know, we, I, I, I think at least, you know, we, we've, we've had, you know, DCVW on the scene for uh, 12 years now. So, you know, over a decade. And I, I think we've, we've developed a, a, a decent amount of, of, street cred as it were so it, it was one of those things where like it's not necessarily that we needed another income stream but it was like artistic license on my yeah. part where it was right. like you know there was something i saw something out there that or like an idea or rather it was lack of me seeing something out there that i wanted to see so it was just like well you know i've already developed these these networks these contacts so why don't i just take it to the next level and just do like a limited run of watches out there and just throw it out there you know people like it they like it if they don't they don't um you know in and for me and i talked about this before i think you know it's it's one of those things where like not everyone but if we do stuff we're not going to do it for everyone we're going to do it like yeah. some people will love it you know what i mean and some people may not um but we did it our way and and that's that's kind of the ethos that this company and, and particularly myself really embraces. So and there's there's a lot of history in in these watches. First and foremost, like I love the matte black PVD. Like that's just yeah. my thing. And you know the 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 legend goes, you know the very first one was the the uh, the Porsche design Orfina chronograph that of right. course is you know in right immortalized in both Top Gun movies. And those things are oh my god, those things are so hot right now. They have been since that sequel came out. And yeah. they haven't, I, I thought they'd slow down, but they really haven't. They're still very, very hot. Um, but anyway, so, you know, I've, I've loved them since then. I've always had a weakness for that kind of thing. 
and there, but there's a lot of history there. And if you if you read the description that I wrote up on the website, there's a lot of my own personal history in these watches of everything from, you know, the the Arabic numbers on the dial to uh, the name of of uh, the wolf of the GMT. Uh, there's there's a lot of history there. And you know, for for your, I, I you know I won't I won't go too much in depth because I don't want to take up the entire podcast, but. Um, the Wolf, the GMT, was named after a German Shepherd Stray uh, that I found in Cairo way back in like the early aughts when I was studying Arabic there at American University in Cairo. Right. And you know he was just a street dog, and like they, in in the Middle East for the most part, not a lot of people have dogs. They normally keep them um, for security dogs. They stay outside. You know they're never they're very infrequently inside, and I think it was maybe the security services because they i know they use them the german german shepherds i think it probably just you know mated with what they call ballady dogs or stray dogs and that's where my dog came from because he was a german shepherd but he's a little bit smaller and i found him he's four months old you know he was very skinny i could see his hips his hip you know his hip bones and kind of just like you know adopted him um obviously there's no paperwork to be filed but adopted him took him there were vets uh that looked at dogs because um uh, uh egypt has a sizable christian minority and yeah. they tend to like dogs a lot so you know there's right. for that um and so i took him there and you know we you know put him on like a beef and rice diet and he gained his weight real quick and like before you know it, like it was time to go back to the United States and I brought him back with me and I had him, you know, fast forward for good, for bad. We, we went camping, we went hiking, so many adventures. I had him for 13 years and wow. which is really long for a German Shepherd. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. yeah, he passed away of cancer in in 2019. Oh, I'm but so yeah, and it's it's but he had a really long, amazing life. So you know that his name was was Zed, which is the Egyptian dialect word for wolf. So that was kind of, that was his name. So you get that name there, and then I waited a year and got another German Shepherd from uh, a rescue shelter here in Los Angeles, and the dog's name was German Shepherd. The dog's name, lo and behold, given by the shelter, was Wolf. Wow, and crazy! Like you know, <laughs> you know it was up that, but he was a year old, and we adopted him. And we only had him for two and a half years. And this past Christmas, you know, I was I was up north and uh, in in Portland visiting relatives, and we got a call from the kennel, and he, he more or less just passed away suddenly. Oh my god! Oh wow! Oh no! Yeah, he was all of basically maybe a little bit over four years old. Oh he was god. in amazing health. We don't know why. Like the vet speculated that maybe. You know, there was um, some kind of like underlying trait yeah. or something that we didn't see. And maybe he died of a stroke or an embolism or some sort of seizure. We, we just don't know. And the kennel that we took him to was one that we that we had used frequently. And they were they're great. They specialize in German Shepherds. You yeah. know, they, they were crying on the phone. I'm not going to lie. I, I was I was, you know, getting choked up, you know, because, you know, I love I love dogs and I, I had a dog all my yeah. entire life since I was a child. So I'm a big, big fan of dogs. Yeah. So I, I, you know, and it was like, we could have gotten the, um, could have gotten an autopsy, but it was just like, to what end? I mean, it's not, it's not going to bring yeah. him back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. We had him cremated 
and you know we're we're actually shopping for an urn that's suitable for him. Uh, mm. So you know, we'll... yeah, it. Go ahead. Yeah, it's remarkable how I'm venturing away from the main part of the podcast, but since we've all had dogs, uh, you know, and and we, I know Tommy, you have a dog. It's remarkable how attached we get to the uh, to them, you know. When uh, when I got married, uh, my wedding gift was my wife's dog. <laughs> she said, "If if you're marrying me, you get you got to get the dog too. We are a complete package." And <laughs> that's a keeper right there. Yeah, and uh, so I I was in our dog's life for about six years, oh, wow. and uh, initially we had a lot of friction, and then towards the tail end, it was nothing but love for that dog. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I can totally understand when you mean that, hey, I got choked up, extremely emotional. And I did the same thing. I never realized how much I loved our dog till we had to put him down. So, mm-hmm. And it's it's the crazy thing for me was like we, we had like a gate at the bottom of the stairs in our house. So he, he couldn't come upstairs because he actually preferred for the most part to stay downstairs because he was purebred German Shepherd, even though he was a rescue and oh my God, I didn't realize they're so protective. I mean, if you, yeah. I mean, he never bit anyone, but I mean, if, if there was just the news today that that uh, President Biden's dog, Commander, Commander. Bit <laughs> service 24 times before <laughs> yeah. he, they sent him for relatives to live there. And I feel bad for the dog because German Shepherds are going to shep- German Shepherd. And I, you know, if you know my past, I worked in the White House Situation Room. I know firsthand how absolute just crazy the West Wing is. Yeah. So yeah. I can imagine that dog, man. That's that, and that was no fault. That's just the dog. That is what they do. They they're He's very doing his job. Yeah. Yeah. But exactly. Like, I remember every day I would come every morning. I would come downstairs, and he would hear me come down, and he would meet me at the bottom of the stairs. And it never hit me until the day he wasn't there. And it's just like, oh man. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The same with our dog. So I had a a dachshund you know, those, those Coney dogs. Um, It was, you know, obviously it was like a child, you know, he would always do something that would upset me, but I always remember. (laughs) I always remember. (laughs) Yeah. Always upsetting. Um, But I always remember every time I came home from the office, he would come straight to the door, wag its tail. Mm -hmm. And then it, it was just a, it was just pure, you know, love that dog had for us so mm-hmm. and then whenever i work from home he would chill by me um and i would put it's funny because i he was lie down by my feet so like he would kind of be a blanket to my feet and it was just so nice that's awesome oh that's so awesome yeah no and we i have a um i i my my grandfather was a master carpenter so i have carpentry skills that have been passed down from both my grandfather and my dad to me so I built a, a a table to put like the light box on that we take the pictures for the website and stuff like that. But yeah. I built a space underneath for for him. There's like a, a bed underneath oh. there and stuff like that. And he would come into the office. He's the only one visiting me out here because my wife hears about watches all the time. So she wants she doesn't want to come anywhere near my office for fear that <laughs> I will, you know ch- you know chew her ear off some more about uh, uh, watches. <laughs> you know, so so he that's what I miss the most um, yeah. right now because like. It's just me chilling in my office. Like it, that's because you know we're we're working from home. You know, 
Um, but, uh, you know, I do plan, I'm going to give it some, some months, but I do plan to get another German shepherd. And then, and obviously, you know, it, it, it won't be a replacement because you couldn't, I mean, you can't replace Never. unique Impossible. spirit, yeah. but, uh, I do miss that companionship and, and I, and I definitely will be getting another dog in the near term, I think in the next couple months. I, I hope that happens soon. Yeah. Uh, we have a great Pyrenees at home and, uh, she's a rescue, um, you know, can't be walked. Uh, likes people but can't interact with other dogs so she's never been on a walk <laughs> really. that's how my, my first german shepherd was like that great with people wanted to kill every dog he came every across. dog yeah <laughs> it's like impossible and i i live in a town where basically every other family has a dog so like you can't take yep. her out but uh no we we love her you know she's she's part of the family i can't imagine you know losing her so i uh yeah you, you take all the time you need but definitely another dog yeah. You need one. I'll tell you on the walk thing because back when I lived in in DC proper, uh, for maybe seven or eight years, I lived not actually maybe a ten minute walk from the White House. Oh wow! Uh, and it was horrible walking him in this in the street. Yeah. Because there's nowhere to go. Yeah. You know what I yeah, mean? Exactly. Yeah. Yard. You're there. There's a sidewalk in the, in, in the street, and that's it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Building. So that was not fun. But yeah. So. So there's that part, there's that aspect, that's the namesake, but for that watch in my career, um, separate from the dogs, you know, I had time working, uh, you know, working for Department of Defense with the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, you know, they do the, the spy satellites, and then I had time on the diplomacy side as well overseas, so when you look at, for instance, like um, the wolf, that represents kind of like a military-esque influence, you know, it's got that, it's got the, the Ben Russ type one and two case style. That's what I was going to ask you about yeah. what inspired you for that case design. And now I see it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's got, they both have, you know, screw down crowns. They both are pressure tested or water, water resistant tested to 200 feet, which isn't crazy, but honestly, most people aren't using it for that. You know, they'll yeah. take it. They just want to know they can take it swimming. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it, yeah. It, it's actually the only. And this is for your listeners. It is the only watch we guarantee water resistance on. Uh, <laughs> it's not vintage. <laughs> a lot of people that come to us, and it's they they and I'm I'm flattered because they trust us for their first foray into the vintage watch world. And and that don't get me wrong, like I'm not knocking that at all. I, I'm flattered that they chose us. But they always have that question: Can I take this swimming? And and I'm just like I and I you know I tell to my people here like I strongly advise not to take this anywhere near water yeah um, you know most of these are fine for washing your hands and that's about it uh, <laughs> not swimming not diving none of that because the machine tolerances just aren't what they were back then yeah what they are right now. right now and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we will replace the gaskets of course but still it, it's just yeah it's not advised but anyway so and then you have the other one the hunter and the hunter was this weird play on words because w when you're when you're on the international stage, when you're a diplomat, you're doing diplomacy, things like that. Ideally, you're looking for peaceful outcomes to everything. So you have that hunt for peace. It's corny, I know, but it just stuck in my head at the time. And that's where you get more of a dressier type watch. Um, I'm actually wearing wearing my own copy now. Um, but it's, you know, it's it's a smaller watch. It's modeled after the Datejust, the Rolex Datejust. Interesting. The same, okay. same case style. So there's a lot of that there, um, and it, it's 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 the dial is a lot more simple than you than the GMT. There's there's no bezel with numbers on it, and that, that's one of the, actually speaking of that, that's another question we had. Like, 
why did you decide to do numbers, you know, one through 24 for the, for the GMT bezel? And my thought behind that was it's easy for someone to read. If you don't speak Arabic, it's yeah. easy for someone to read Arabic language numerals one through 12, because they're in a place you would, you know what the number is, even if you don't know that number, if you saw it elsewhere. Right. So right. if you see something for the, you know, for six or seven, that they look nothing like their English equivalents. But if you see it on a place on the dial where that would be otherwise, you know, but you know what it is. But on that on that 24 hour GMT bezel, once you move it, yeah, I didn't expect that. I in in I still want it to be. I, I I don't want this watch to be for show. I want it to be used as I intended it to. So I wanted someone to look at it real quick and immediately know where you're at on that. So that yeah. that's why that's why there's kind of a a mishmash there. Um, so I wanted it to appeal to a wider audience than maybe just Arabic speakers in that regard. I like it. I mean, to to me, both both watches kind of give me feelings of two kinds of watches from my memory. One is those like Seiko Five watches mm -hmm. with the Arabic dials, mm -hmm. um, and also you know the Mac V S O G, right? Because from from the sixties, you know, the, both of them kind of have that kind of field watch military aesthetic, but kind of simple, clean design. Um, almost like married together you know I, I really like it i like both well then that's what i was that's what i was going for yeah oh, no. so th thank you i appreciate you saying that yeah right right on the money I, I i picked that up um very cool yeah so i mean without getting into too much trade secret and i'm i, I don't want to delve too much into it but what was the design process like like how did you go from concept to product like what does that yeah. look like? yeah the first thing, and, and you got to remember, I have no experience in this, so I had never done this before. So there was definitely a learning curve to be had. And like I, I we talked about earlier, I am in the early stages of a third watch, which is will, will probably be like a 1970s inspired regatta timer oh, nice. type. Oh, nice, yeah. I, I love that pop of color and the unique complications on there. I, yeah. I remember when I did that that four plus one article for Houdinki, and sometimes the biggest mistakes are reading the comments on anything, but uh, especially on Instagram, especially on Instagram. <laughs> and I, someone, they, people in the, I guess who Dinky kind of called it like a frivolous complication, the regatta timer. <laughs> oh man, someone did not like that. And, you can, like and, and Dinky to their credit actually apologized for that. And, you know, they responded to the comment and they were like, yeah. no, that's very utilitarian. I was like, wow. Okay, so wow. <laughs> I'm not it. Hey, man, if you're going to use the watch as it's intended, I get it. And, and that just means one less person using an Apple Watch, and I'm also fine with that as well. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, so the design process for me was everything revolved around the dial. And yeah. by that, I mean you decide how big you want the dial and everything else, because then from that comes the case, um, like how big, like, if the case is the larger size, then are you looking at a larger lug width? Like what's the bezel going to look like? Like all of that. And then you have to see what is out there to accommodate that dial. And so that's why I actually had more luck because if you're going to design like a one-off watch, then the sky's the limit. But if you're, if you're looking at a watch, you want to make copy, you want to have, you know, a couple dozen or a hundred in our case made of yeah. them, you need to look at, economies of scale and you don't want to go too overly custom because that drives prices up yeah for sure yeah but at the same time you don't want it to be so 
so blah that nobody wants it. You know, so it's it's that back and forth that really informed a lot of the decisions that that I made on on the design of both of these watches. So, yeah. you know, once I got the, the dial design, it was really a lot of back and forth with the company that I used to design that dial. And that actually took the longest time, I think. Um, got it. They made a mock-up. We, we looked at it like an image first, and then they sent a prototype to me, and then we went from there. And then, yeah, I mean, it all kind of just evolved from, from there. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I would have thought that, you know, picking the case size would have been the first thing and then designing the dial to accommodate the case. But it seems that the other way is the more, let's say, efficient way in terms of economies of scale. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, now, you're right. when you sent the dial out, did you like initially like say provide a few sketches of like, hey, this is what I want it to look like. I wanted to have Arabic numerals. I want to have it like a, what do they call it? The, the train tracks around the circumference of the outer edge. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I did. So yeah. it was it was it was the the Arabic numerals, the no date day or date window. Again, I wanted the more simplistic dial. And then it was and and like literally I was um I almost wrote because you see like each one has the name of the specific model in Arabic on the dial. So it's either the wolf or the hunter in Arabic. And I almost wanted to do it in my own handwriting. But that would drive the cost up quite a bit. So I, I settled on literally it was for the Arabic itself. It's it's going in because, you know, my Arabic is not as good as it used to be. Um, right. You know, yeah. on, a, on a scale, the way that the United States government does, it's a scale of zero to five, zero being you don't speak any and five being native fluency. Um, my Arabic at the height was maybe two plus or a three. Oh, wow. Okay. So it was conversation okay. right in the middle. I could use it for work, that kind of thing. Um, but, uh, so I, I know enough to, to read and know that when Google translate does something, I know that it means what it's supposed to mean and not some other thing that right. would be embarrassing, you know, cause I, I know I'll, I'll get a little, a little, uh, uh, cheeky here, but if you mispronounce wolf in Arabic, it means penis. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know, if, if somebody goes in between Zaib or Zib, Zib, <laughs> Egyptian Arabic means penis. So, yeah. Okay, well, you can't go wrong. Yeah, you, you got to get the spelling right for that one. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I got it right on this, thankfully. But so, but it's also because the Arabic script was not easy to do uh, yeah. because a mm -hmm. lot of these were not set up to reproduce Arabic on these dials because how many watches out there? Do you know with that? There's not a lot of them. There, there right. actually, there are some watches. Um, the 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 name brand, and we carry them every now and again. But the name brand is called Dalil, and it literally is like a call to prayer watch. And I believe it's made in the Middle East, yeah. and it's if it's D A L I L, and it has all Arabic on the dial. It, it has the um, the 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 oh god, I'm for, I'm forgetting it, but there's it has various phrases in Arabic on the outer edges of the watch and things like that. But again, my point is there's not a lot of that in the West. Right. Uh, right. I, so, I actually yeah, took a, I took a year, maybe a year and a half, three semesters of Arabic in school. Mm -hmm. So my Arabic is if, if you're at, at your peak was two and a half, 
maybe a half or 0.75. (laughs) You're giving yourself too much credit, Tommy. Yeah, I could read and phonetically spell, but that was basically it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it was the thing about because so I studied in Lebanon as well um, at American University in Beirut. And the thing that I loved about Egypt is that, and this is for anyone thinking about taking Arabic, you don't have a choice but to speak Arabic there because English is not commonly spoken. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Right. Lebanon, it's, I swear to God, at least in Beirut, the languages that people speak in order of preference go French, English, and then Arabic. Wow. So it's yeah. like, it's too easy to like, if someone's not getting you because you're not speaking it correctly, to just, oh, well, you look American and then they just use English and then you're defeating the purpose. Right, 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 right. Yeah, my my teacher was Egyptian Coptic, so yeah, you know, I I, I was taught Egyptian Arabic, uh, which was interesting. But I have a a really it's it's I have a really good friend here actually in Los Angeles. Uh, her name is Rasha, and when I went to American University in Cairo, the first time I went there uh, was actually during nine um, eleven. I was there for nine eleven. Wow. Okay. Uh, so that was a very interesting. I can time. imagine. Yeah. Well, and it, you, you know, I came back to an America radically changed, yeah. like the plays of patriotism were were just I had never seen before in my entire life. I, I mean, understandably, right. they were there because it was a very, you know, fearful time. Um, but my friend Rasha, she was there because I was there as a sophomore, or junior, and she was there as a freshman and fast. She's actually Coptic uh, Christian. Uh, Egyptian uh, Egyptian American and she actually lives out here in LA now um, so we've been friends for like 20 plus years now and wow. we still like have these like inner inside like Egyptian cultural jokes and stuff like that so, so <laughs> it's awesome to hear your friend was was Coptic as well yeah yeah my, my teacher yeah yeah no it was uh yeah it was an interesting experience uh I, I really enjoyed you know those those couple semesters but yeah, I could I could totally understand printing in in the language would be kind of difficult, <laughs> considering how yeah. limited that is. I mean, as far as established brands who've done watches in that script, all I can think about are Seiko and Rolex. I, I don't add Delil now that you mentioned it. Uh, um, I can't think of it really anybody else. Um, but no, I, I think it's yeah. executed really well. I, I like I like both both dials uh, on both releases. Um, I guess you know from from a perspective of like. This, the hunter and the wolf like i don't know in almost it almost feels like the the the, the hunter is also very military i guess it's just the pvd it's a black for yeah sure. it's all black you know it's very aggressive yeah <laughs> yeah i mean yeah, and also, also the, the train tracks around it you know it gives it that that military vintage like the hamilton field watch sort of yeah thing. as well as the orange seconds hand you know classic 70s very triangular very oh, orfina yeah. actually yeah that that gives yeah. me orfina vibes you know, that that second hand yeah i was actually contemplating removing the train tracks i'm not sure maybe on subsequent um editions but i you know i'm up in the air on that what Other why than- did you go no date by the way nick i mean i know i know a lot of collectors prefer like no I, date. what I was think- your thought process some some of this is 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 personal for me and like yeah i I think because, I mean, if you follow the Instagram account, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm putting my, not every day, but most days I'm putting what, what's on my wrist on a regular basis for my own collection. Yeah. And I'm not setting the day or date. I almost never do. Really? And okay. it's a lot of it's laziness, but it's also because I'm not wearing the same watch every day. Yeah. And yeah. Like 
I, I don't I don't want to sound like oh woe is me or anything like that, but you know it's not like every watch I'm putting on there is some various paddock or or you know Rolex or anything like that. Like the majority of the watches I'm wearing are Seiko and most of them are sub one thousand dollars. They're not like crazy expensive or anything like that. But like I just I don't set the day or date. And like if you talk about some of these, like for instance on the Mac V Sog watches. Um, the, the 600 series movements that a lot of that, all of them use except the 7,005, only one of those day dates is quick set. The other one you have to do, you literally have to move the hands for the day. Oh the my month. gosh. And oh like, my. you know, back then that was probably cutting edge to have one yeah. of them. Yeah, of them. yeah, yeah. But not now. Cause I actually, I have a friend that reached out to me today. This is my friend from a friend of mine from my government days and he's a defense attache. Um, so I met him through work way back in the day and he just bought one of these um, Mackie Sogs from me and I sent it to him overseas and he hit me up today and he's like, hey, is only one of these quick set? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, oh, man, are you serious? I was like, yep. And he's like, all right, well, it's part of the it's it's part of the experience. Part of the so charm. He, yeah. 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 He's a good, good sport about it. <laughs> to be honest, Nick, I'm like you. I I rarely set the date. Um, or day or date, um, unless I, I look at them like, you know what, I should really set it just for, you know, just for accuracy purposes. But I mean, to be honest, I, I'm starting to appreciate more of a simpler and less complicated watch um, dial per se, you know, not having a day date is, is quite more symmetric in that regards. It makes it more pleasing to me. And I mean, you, you have really, and that's these, the two watches in this Sycamore line really kind of represent both of that. Like the GMT is more complicated, obviously, and the Hunter, the, the Wolf GMT is more complicated, but the Hunter is is more sparse for, yeah. for that reason. So it's kind of, you know, hopefully appealing to both. And to be, to be honest, the Hunter sold better than I thought it would. Um, I didn't think it would sell that many. And it, it's, it sold almost as many as the Wolf. I was, I was pleasantly surprised by that. That's interesting. Hmm. And what what's the movement that you chose for both, Nick? How did you, sure. you reach that decision? So both of them are are Seiko, of course, okay. and the um, the Hunter has an NH34 and NH34 A. Wait, is it 36? No, I'm sorry, 36. I'm getting it mixed up. So the 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 Hunter itself has the 36 in it. Mm -hmm. and it's it, you know this is it's 24 jewels it's hacking um you can it's both automatic and manual winding so you know this is seiko sets the sets the bar for robustness pretty good on some of its movements i mean granted the, i mean the 7s26 movement is just on the skx's are just damn bulletproof i mean they're not crazy accurate but you're not buying it for that reason you're buying it because you can beat the crap out of it and it continues yeah. to work most of it um, and then in the, so it's the, it's the NH30, 36 a for the Hunter. And then the Wolf, the GMT has the NH 34 a. So it's 34 versus 36, all the same automatic manual winding, same jewel count. Both of them are hacking and really an interesting thing in this third watch is, and I'm still doing the research on what movement to use in it. I may yeah. actually, it's a Swiss movement because Seiko really doesn't offer a lot chronograph-wise that is not crazy expensive. And huh. I, I just, maybe I'm just, I haven't done enough research on it yet. But like, if you look for something like 
the parallel to the 34A or the 36A, but chronograph? Yeah. Just not finding it. I may have to use like a value like a 7750 or something like that in there. Those, those are pretty thick movements generally. I mean, I guess that's something you'd have to keep in mind doing it, but what else yeah. can you do? Yeah. Um, you would, you, would you consider seagull or not really kind of, what's that? Would you consider seagull at all? The, the Chinese, you know, and maybe it's just me for the fact that I have this, this background with government. You don't have the best relationship with China right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. This is the, this is the boy that grew up and lived most of his life in DC. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, I don't know if I want to do that. So yeah. it's, I'm, I'm, I can't help it. It's my default setting to be aware of these like conflicts of interest type things. So I, I, I kind of stayed away from it for that exact reason. Makes sense. I, I, I get it. I get it. Hmm, interesting. So yeah, I mean, if you're gonna go for Swiss, yeah, I guess, I guess you got to consider Valjou. I don't know if ETA gives anything that's white labeled like that. I, I, I don't even know what's out there. Yeah. I haven't found anything yet. Like I said, I'm still early stages on this. Yeah. Uh, so I'm still searching. Would that and... be part of the Sycamore collection or would that be something separate concerning yeah. it's kind of thematically different? Oh, I mean, it would, it would, it obviously it wouldn't look like these two, but yeah. I would put fold it underneath. I'm just going to call it. Well, I mean, I have the, the trademark is Sycamore. Sycamore. Got it. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm going to I'm going to make sure I as, as much of a pain in the ass it is to get, excuse my French stuff, trademarked. Yeah. I want to make sure I use it. Fair enough. Interesting. Any <laughs> any idea when that when that's gonna come out or time timeline wise or still early days? Too early. I have the end of this year. Really? Wow. Maybe by late summer. I mean, we'll see. I mean, it, it there's you know you 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 plan for <laughs> for it not to take a while, but uh, yeah, sometimes plans go awry. So you know, we'll see. I, I know, you know, you've got kind of an, like an, like a group of watchmakers that you trust with regards to the vintage watches. Like, are they part of this project or are they yeah. separate from this? Oh, they are. So th they're kind of, there is in, in, you know, cause as, as I think I sent you the link, Warren and Wound did an article, a feature article on this watch line and uh, they, they did an, they did a great job on it. And, and, uh, but I, I, I want to name, I want to name shout out the watchmaker that actually helped on this. And it, it's it's in they're based in Costa Mesa here in Southern California, and they're called Time Zone, Costa okay. Mesa. And the one of the watchmakers, uh, he's well known here uh, in the Southern California, which has a vibrant watch community, both vintage and, and contemporary. And his name is Frank, and he's he's amazing. He he's he's an older gentleman. He's been doing it for a while. Like anytime, I have a very weird movement or something like that that's going to be tough. And my other watchmakers don't want to touch it. Frank gets it, and and I take it. I take it to him. Um, and actually, I had um, one of our one of my customers is Randall Park, um, and I don't I don't know if you saw. <laughs> it's kind of awesome, you know. You know the office where he he sits in for for Jim. Yes. So yes. he. I don't know if you saw this. I think I did a post on it actually, where like he sits down, like Randall Park sits down with Ryan Reynolds and pretends he's John Krasinski. And just hilarity ensues. But so, but anyway, so Randall had two just really random Rolex watches. And he was like, hey, I know I didn't get these from you. Do you think you can get these service? I was like, that's not a problem at all. I took them to Frank. Frank took it on. He did a great job on it. Randall was very happy with it. But Frank is, his son is apprenticing 
underneath him. His son's name is Kevin. And I was actually just there at, at, at their shop today, um, dropping off something. And Kevin did all of these watches. He wow. put all of them together. Um, and he did a great job on it. Um, and yeah, it, it, I love the fact that, you know, if you, if you track on watchmakers, the majority of the watchmakers out there, at least in my experience, tend to be older in age. Yeah, yeah. And now that I was actually just at the dentist today and it was a new dentist. So, you know, we're doing the normal chit chat. They're like, oh, what do you do? And I told them and they're like, wait, what? Because it's it's a weird thing. You know, you're vintage yeah. watch. Dealer. But and they were like, yeah, watchmakers, they tend to be kind of older, don't they? And I was like, yes, they do. And we, they you know, they, we worry. I worry about that. Yeah. So yeah. it's great to see. Kevin, who's younger than I am, I think he, I want to say he's in his late 20s, and he's hes apprenticing under his dad. He's, hes I think he's great. I think he does great work. And he's, I, obviously, he's going to take over the family business when his dad retires. And it's, it's just great to see that next generation, you know, coming up, for, yeah. especially as vintage watches explode and watches in general explode in popularity and continue to, even despite the pandemic being, you know, over for the most part. And that's what really drove. I think the new, uh, you know, big increase in sales for both modern and vintage watches was the pandemic. Yeah, definitely. I actually referred my neighbor to Time Zone. Um, oh, no shit. Excuse yeah, my friend, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> neighbor with the, the Pogue. Uh, he has an original Pogue um, that desperately there? needed service. Yeah, but I, I don't know what happened to it. I, I got to follow up with him and see. I mean, we, like, just this week alone, because we we don't take outside watches to service and we yeah. get that quite a lot, understandably, which again points to the relative shortage in people that are good at servicing in particular Vinci Seiko, which is very popular. Yeah. I point them at time zone and yeah. you know, I, I have a, a little agreement with them and it's like, I will push everyone your way. If when I bring you work in you, you put my work at the head of the line and yeah, yeah. I sent them five referrals this week alone. That's awesome. Wow. wow. So, That's awesome. I, yeah. It's all you know, it's all love in the, in this watch community. You you guys know this, I'm sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. We uh, I have a watchmaker that I've been working with closely because I've had a a bit of a project watch. I've had two project watches that Sanders made fun of me for, but the the most recent one was the Speedmaster Mark IV that I got that needed service. Yep. That, that I, took, I have a five myself. Yes. I'm oh very really? Familiar. It's yep. a great watch. Yeah, but like mine needed new hands. It needed basically a full service, and you know, I was talking to my watchmaker and. He said, yeah, you know, he's one of the few watchmakers in Boston who's like certified to work on Rolex and certified to work on Omega. He trained in Switzerland. So like, he, you know, he's a real deal. And we were just talking about watches. It's like, yeah, you know, my whole life, I've always worn Rolex and Omega. Like that's just been my stable go-to. And then I was going to go to Europe and I wanted to wear something that I thought, you know, would be less of a risk to get mugged. So I, I looked at Seiko and he picked up two Seikos and he said, you know, I got to be honest, you know, I put these in the time grapher. And the performance on these watches is out of control. Like once you regulate them, they're bulletproof. And I'm like, I, I was shocked because this is not a brand I was like really exposed to. And I was like, that's a very interesting take from someone who's like a professional to be like, yeah. you know what? It's like the hype is real. If you regulate them, you know, and take care of them, they're, they're fine. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're bulletproof. Like I, I have a Seiko SKX, right. And, um, you know, I won't wear it for, let's say, six months. The moment I pick it up, it's running. Like, it's it's impressed, so impressive that it's just able to start up all of a sudden. And, and 
it, it does keep track of time really well. You know, it's not known that movement is, if you read up about it, as like we all do and well aware of, is is not what, known for keeping accurate time. But this one actually does. I, the SKX, the 7S2X is actually a better movement, in my opinion, than, than the successor Seiko 5 movement, which which gets a lot of, of criticism. But I don't have a lot of experience with the, with the one that they, you know, the SKX successor. I don't have yeah. a lot of a lot of experience. Okay, that's what I that's what I hear um, quite a bit. But I mean, Seiko itself, they're kind of like in the 80s and 90s and aughts, they were kind of victims of their own success because, you know, they really decimated the the Swiss during the quartz crisis. Because I mean, let's not forget. I mean, would 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 quartz have come out eventually? Of course. But the Seiko beat the Seiko beat the Swiss to it, and then just lay waste to the entire Swiss industry but it really killed off the majority of the american watch industry which is which is you know i don't think a lot of people understand that america used to have a very vibrant watch yeah, literal yeah. watch maker like manufacturing watches community um but they just they they were hiding behind tariffs and protective acts and and when you hide behind tariffs you don't innovate because there's no you don't you get lazy you just feel like there's no need to compete because these tariffs are protecting you and Right, you know, a lot of American watch industry died for that reason. But so Seiko mass produced these watches, and they really back in the day they actually went to Ford. And I'm going to talk. This is like maybe in the late '50s. They went to Ford and they looked at like these the the modular um, manufacturing lines that Ford pioneered way back in the day, and they kind of replicated that a little bit. And you know, they were okay economies of scale and this was a way that they were able to build quality watches quickly and in much less expensive than their american or swiss counterparts so they did that and then quartz came out but the problem was everyone's racing and you have this in any tech everyone's racing to the bottom price wise yeah and, you know and they had that here but then they were so successful in that that people just like your watchmaker uh, in boston did they equate Seiko with these cheap quartz movements. Yeah. They're like, oh, whatever, they just throw away. But the reality is, I mean, with you have Grand Seiko, you have Credor, you have these watches that are, some of them are tens of thousands of dollars, like low tens, but still. Yeah. And people don't realize that because they think yeah. it's just this cheaper line. Yeah. And yeah, he got, he got a higher end, um, you know, I want to say like a two to three thousand dollar dive watch, and you know, mm. not not even like a turtle. Like this was kind of a higher end, and he was blown away. He was like, "This is better than anything Rolex can do at this price point, or you know, even even then some." Um, which which is telling, you know. So, and speaking of Seiko, um, what's new in the shop? I, I know you got a new Mac V S O G in. Yeah, no, no, the the those things are they're very they're very popular right now the mac v sog and some of that i would say a lot of that is due to really two things and that's watches of espionage yeah um and i i'm actually i just got the green light for another article but i'm not going to give anything away on there i'm just going to say it's vintage seiko and leave it at that okay um, cool. so you know the person that i'm going to interview for that article i talked to him this week he's in um both myself and the admin at, at Woe, as I call it, are, we're, we're very excited about this. So we'll we'll see. I mean, it'll probably be a couple of months before it, it gets out there. But um, I, I love this, you know, and, and it's not I mean, Woe is not paying me for these. Like, I mean, obviously, no. I'll get some business from it, but like it's just the thrill of 
you know, finding something cool, tracking down the person at the center of it. Yeah. And interviewing them and getting these stories from an authoritative source firsthand that we didn't have before. Yeah. So, you know, so, so there's that. And then, um, I've been, uh, this was actually thanks to whoa. They introduced me to Jack Carr, um, who wrote the terminal list, uh, on that was turned into a show on Amazon prime starring Chris Pratt. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. So they're making, there's a sequel in works right now. It's called dark wolf. So it's terminal list dark wolf and it's a prequel. And, I, I actually supplied a couple watches to that show, Mac V. Songs. Um, nice. It's going to be kind of like a plot device in, and I'm not going to give away too much, but it'll be a plot device in the series, which is really awesome. So, but I've also sold Jack some of these and he has this, this, this podcast with a couple hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube. And like, I love him because he's the type of dude that will give, he will give you a shout out and you don't have to pay him. If he, if he likes what you're doing, and he he's happy with the products that you're selling he he will never fail to give a shout out and i love people like that that's why like for instance like with time zone i'm going to shout them out all day every day because they do great work and i love what they're putting out there yeah you know yeah. it's kind of like small business people helping out small business people so those are the two big things dri- driving the mac v sog sales i think right now but you know it's and we have one coming up uh uh, Saturday, we're gonna. I haven't sent out the email yet, but there is one that'll be in that drop. Um, it's, it's a big drop, it's about 11 watches. Um, and it's it's just an eclectic mix. Like every week now, I'm trying to get some women watch some women's watches in there, like one or two, because I'm that's that's I think that's an area. And I was, uh, I, you know, I've, I've had conversations with people about this before. I think it's an area that's vastly underserved. I mean, if you if I look at my Instagram. They give me all these like because it's a business page. I get feedback of the followers. It's like three percent women followers, and I'm just like, that's come on. Fifty yeah, percent is getting ignored. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you know, I'm trying to get, and it, it, I'm seeing some limited traction. I'm surprised that the you know, and you see when people buy stuff, you know, you can tell from names usually, not always, but sometimes are they a woman? Are they a man? Like, and you you parse this information and use it for marketing, and yeah. like. It's it's been interesting that that that's getting some traction, but yeah, the one that's dropping Saturday is the the six one zero six um eighty one hundred, and that's the one that I did the Mac V or that did the uh the watches of espionage article on. Oh, nice. So okay. it's a great example. I mean, it's got one of those. I like all day every day. I'm hunting down these these damn compasses that I put on every one of them, and they are just mini compasses. A, yeah, yeah. Such a pain to find, but they <laughs> that well article. I swear to God, has like driven the damn prices of those compasses up two or threefold, or uh, like two or three times, I should say. Yeah. And it's, yeah, yeah. I'm only shooting myself in the in the leg, you know what I mean? Because now I got to pay more for these things. Who makes uh, those compasses? It's it's not a Seiko thing, right? It's some someone else. No, it's Waltham. Oh really? wow! Okay. Waltham yeah. Watch Company. Okay. Waltham. They started making those in World War II. From from my research. Some of the, the the ones that were made in World War II were still used during Vietnam, yeah. Korea, Vietnam. I mean, if you know anything about DOD and their procurement and their logistics, which I do, I mean, I mean, we're using the first of all the B fifty two heavy bomber. That thing came right. out in the fifties. I think it came out nineteen fifty two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 
that's still heavily used by our armed forces. So it's no surprise that, you know, uh, our armed forces were using these same compasses that came out of World War II in Vietnam. I'm surprised Sports. they were used for that. Yeah. So there's three or four different iterations on the dials, um, like a w, WCC, which is Waltham Company Compass. Some of them just say straight Waltham. Some of them say WC Co. So Waltham Compass Company. You know, Got so there's, okay. you know, there's all these different variations of it. But yeah, those it's an American, you know, watchmaker that made well, those. So it's kind of like a cool mishmash. Mick, come on, come on up to Boston. Waltham's like 20 minutes from home. You know, I, we could, I read articles on that. Yeah. You know, we could go to the factory and see what we can find. You know, <laughs> what's left at least. Yeah. Or yeah. knock on the wall and find a cache of of the compasses behind the wall or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's cool. Man. I, I mean, I'm amazed that so many Mac V SOGs are even available. I mean, this is such a, I mean, to me, it's such an obscure model that, mm-hmm. you know, is suddenly so popular. But like, I, I don't know how you source this many. This uh, is, I've never seen one in the wild. Yeah. It's work. I'm not going to lie. And, and part of the benefit is I about half of the ones we sell is from people that read the article or they're just they they find other places that these are in demand and they will reach out to us and they'll be like hey i got this do you want to buy it and that is that's you know you know you you work for a decade to get your name out there and that's that's one of the, the the key benefits that i'm very you know grateful for and they reach out and and you know and you start the the conversation with look chances are if you put this up on ebay you you probably will get a little bit more, not much more, but a little bit more than yeah. we're going to pay. But you don't have to deal with eBay. You don't have to deal with, I mean, we've all been there. We bought some off eBay or we sold some because in my early days, I sold on eBay and they get it and they, they oh, there's a piece of dust here. Give me a hundred dollars off. And otherwise I'm going to open a case. And it's just like straight extortion sometimes. And people just yeah. don't want to deal with that. Yeah, you yeah. know. And then there's the FACO thing and like, yeah, it's it's a whole thing, and um, you know, for us, they send it to us. We look at it within a day or two. Here's your money. How do you want it? You want a check? You want Zelle? Do you want PayPal? And they get their money. There's there's no complications. There's no fuss. There's no mess. Like, and then they're done, and they got their check, and they're happy. Yeah, keeps it easy. This model actually reminds me a lot of the uh, Navigator GMT, the sixty-one seventeen. It's almost, I mean, there's tomorrow- a great- uh, they they share very similar movements. I see. Okay. Yeah. Even now, the, the case design is different. Similar. The bezel on the GMT is different. It's a, it's a, if memory serves, it's that GMT twenty four hour bezel. Gotcha. Gotcha. Have you tried the new, the re release of the uh, Navigator GMT? Have you have you seen it at all? The new one. I haven't seen it in the metal. Okay. But I was pleasantly surprised by how faithful it yeah. is. Yeah. To the original, I was very surprised by that because Seiko, yeah, Seiko's going to be Seiko. They got to put some unique touch on it, and it, they're not like you, you can look, look at Tag Heuer and they just basically carbon copy for the most part, like their uh, Carrera reissues and stuff like that are the exact, like almost completely identical. But uh, no, the, the the remake. How much? What's the price point on the on the reissue of the of the Navigator timer? Do you know? I think it's about a G. Sanch. I think so, but like I think was this the one where Seiko even did retro on the packaging? Even like 
I think they even got the bracelet. Uh, even the bracelet is like harkening back to the original. And I think the packaging, it's like about a G, if not around that ballpark. It was for what they did for the watch. I think that was a really attractive price point. No, you're you're. I'm looking. I'm at, I'm looking it up right now. Actually, uh, yeah, no, the, no, the bracelet. Yeah, fifteen hundred retail. Yeah, it's a S S P B four eleven J one. Right, the, right, right, right. And I, I'm well. I'm on the first thing that popped up was eBay, and someone selling it for thirteen fifty. Um, but no, I mean, this is one of those rare instances I think where the reissue is actually less expensive than the original, because wow. usually vintage ones can are are less expensive than the reissue. So th this is this is nice. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, I, I always ask, you know, when 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 someone knows vintage watches and there's a, a reissue of that watch, I always ask if you tried both and just kind of what your impressions are because you have so much experience touching the old, you know, the originals and you know, you know I, I I don't have the before and after, right? I either have before or after. So it's I always like to check the temperature but I, you know. I, I think for me the key the key question i would have is how the bracelet feels yeah and seiko i don't know about this price point but like for instance the bracelets on on seiko's arabic language dial the one that watches of espionage uh popularized the hell out of oh my god the bracelet is atrocious yeah it's just terrible like that's like i like jack card was like hey can you track me down one of these because i don't think he realized like you can just, I mean, they're everywhere. So I literally, I was like, yeah, I'll it down for you. And I literally just gifted him one. That yeah. was because you get them for like, I think Joma's shop has them for like 180 or 150 or something like that. But like the very first thing I did was I took that, that bracelet off, put it on a NATO. And like, I, you know, I was like, Hey, trust me, you're going to like the NATO strap better than, than the bracelet. And he was like, you're right. Yeah. Um, but you no, know, I mean, this is, it's a, it's a handsome watch. And like the bracelet on the vintage one, is very difficult to find. Like it's yeah. almost up there with like the speed timer bracelets on the early six one three nines that by themselves can pull four, five, six hundred dollars alone just for wow. the bracelet. Okay. It's so hard to find and particularly in good condition. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually just uh the other week for my birthday got myself uh a Marine Master three hundred finally, the uh 021, the SLA 021. Um it's nice. It's 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 a bit, you know heavy you definitely feel it you know on the yeah. wrist so i i've been looking at bracelets and other options so i need okay. to find something appropriate for for the design but uh yeah you know seiko as hard as i try you know i always go back to seiko i can't help it you know they there, just do there's right. a lot of truth to that i think and it, i was actually i was listening to spirit the spirit of time podcast the other day and they had uh uh brendan menencio on there the the he's formerly with hudinki before they yeah, yeah had all their their layoffs and he was talking about and, and I, I i've worked with brandon on some stuff for Houdinki before he's a great guy um he was talking about how your taste evolves kind of with time right uh, and like that really struck home for me because i think i find myself trending more towards more and more towards smaller watches now like i, I don't and i know there's a general trend i guess out there yeah you know gq and in, in hollywood but hollywood is more like men wearing kind of like women's watches which is hey you know whatever if it works for them who am i to judge i don't i don't care one way or the other it's <laughs> personally not for me smaller size sure but like not not 
really small sizes. Small size for me would be like the Hunter where it's like 34, 35 millimeters. Right, right, but, right. But that is, it's so comfortable to the point where like, I forget I'm wearing it. Like that is, that's peak watch wearing experience for me, I think. Interesting. Yeah. That, that's something you, you won't get with the, the, the Marine Master 300. <laughs> yeah. but, but it's, it's a submersible. It's a... If you're diving, maybe that's yeah. something you, you want to be able to feel. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. look, you, you can feel it on your wrist if you're doing something else that's more important. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. you really talk about watches as tools. And for me, they truly are. So like, I'm, I'm going to wear something different when I'm working on my car versus when I'm like, in my everyday life or if i'm like building something like i said before like out of out of out of wood or, or what have you like it will influence what i wear during that yeah 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 yeah, yeah absolutely i mean the marine master 300 it's it's built to deep diving and they probably over engineered it to even go beyond 300 meters That's so right. yeah <laughs> They, there's a reason why it's 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 thick and chunky, you know, to to withstand, and also everyday use as well. Yeah, definitely. No, I mean, I I I think um, I've sold a few of those when people have asked me to source them, and they're they're. I remember being impressed by the heft of that thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You don't feel like you can do anything to really damage it. Like, you, you, yeah. if if anything happened to that watch, you'd be long dead before anything happened to, to the case. It's not like, like the office. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's going to happen. If, if I'm dead, you've been dead for three months already. You know? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> no, but I mean, you talk about heft. I actually, I think the largest watch I own is the Speedmaster Mark III, which is just yeah. massive. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's like I am. I am. Like I am. It's, it's the one with the long shroud around the around the dial, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. And like I, I haven't quite gotten to the point where I'm considering selling it because it just doesn't get any wrist time. It because it's just so wonderfully funky 1970s. It's yeah. I, which I which I love that design aesthetic. So it's really hard to get rid of, but I just don't, I really don't wear it that much. Yeah. I, I have, I have the Mark IV on. And there it is. Yeah. yeah. I love it. It's perfectly sized. It's got that barrel design from same as the Mark II. Um, but I think the movement is the same as the Mark III. So it is. Yeah, did you know that I think it was, and I'm looking, cause we have one on the website right now. So I'm looking at, or was it the, oh, it was the 4.5. Um, the, well, that has the day date on it, right? The 4.5 was worn by Charles Bronson. Really? Okay. Yeah, and it was in, I'm trying to bring up the picture, right? Because we have a 4.5 for sale as well. And that I'm wish. trying to find the picture, or maybe it was the 4. I don't know. I'm trying to find, because I put a screen grab of him wearing it. Oh, yeah, it was the 4.5. And I don't know what movie it was in. I'm looking right now. Death Wish 20. In se I just say in several films. This is one of those okay. things on my list to do further research on to get exactly what movies. And it's like, my job is so hard. I need to watch some Charles Bronson films. <laughs> research, like, deep oh, research. No. You know. um, actually, I just watched the, uh, the, the season six debut of The Rookie on ABC. And one of the main, co I don't know if you watched the show, but one of the main cops on it, the character of Tim Bradford is played by Eric Winters, who he's been there since he, since the pilot. And he's kind of like this this former special forces, kind of like badass, gruff cop. Yeah. And 
I got him because we we had mutual friends and I and I asked for like an introduction. So I'm talking to him like and I and I throw this out to a lot of actors. I'm like, look, on these more successful shows, if you see a watch you like, reach out to your prop master or your wardrobe person and say you want this for your character and I'll make it happen. And they they do it because they don't have to pay for it. Yeah, you know it, yeah. it's on the show. I mean the show owns it, sure, but they they wear it and. On this season six, Eric Winters is use, is wearing the Mackie Sog that I was just talking about, the six one zero, the six eighty one hundred. Okay. Like, so I'm like watching the episode, and I'm trying to do screen grabs on Hulu, but Hulu has this weird like thing where you can't do screen grabs; it just goes to black. And I'm like, okay, oh, well that wow. was special. so yeah. like because I want to do a post on it, and like I'm trying to get like you know a great you know zoom in on it, so I may have to sit here and do it old school with like my with the, the camera, camera on my phone and try <laughs> to it. It doesn't turn on blurry. but i mean like that's what i, I do yeah. i love doing that stuff because you're you're kind of adding to the story definitely yeah watch which is like it's it's fun and and what better place to do it than la that's to the knowledge yeah absolutely well nick this was this was delightful thank you so much for carving out the time and hanging out with us and it was great to learn about the sycamore uh, i'm excited to see the the next iteration, you know, so going to need a heads up for that. And uh, obviously looking forward to your article. I need a heads up for that as well. You're a busy man, but, uh, you know, we're just trying to keep up with you, you know, so uh, thank you. Is there anything yes. you want to plug? I, I mean, I guess, you know, go to the website to see what's currently on sale. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just one of those things like I'm just very, I mean, my, my, former career was very fast paced and there was some war zone service and stuff like that where you're just it's crazy all the time and like now that i get to do this now i just feel very lucky that mm. I do this and i get to talk with other people like yourselves and in people every day really that are crazy passionate about about this thing that other people just shake their heads at <laughs> and you know, it's it's i feel very lucky in that so yeah i don't have anything to, to really to pitch here other than the sycamore line um, the hunter, I think, only has maybe two left. Oh then, wow! Okay, excellent. Yeah. Uh, the 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 I think the wolf has maybe twenty left out of a hundred, so it's it's got a little bit more. Um, this, are these LEs, or, or are you considering a different another run? Depending, it depends. Yeah. I, I really made a decision one way or the other. Um, I guess it was one of those things where, like, if they sell out. And you get a fair number of people like asking, like, "Hey, what's going on with this?" Then maybe you know you make another hundred. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as of right now, we, we made a hundred of each, and you know we'll we'll see where we we end up on that. Now the the regatta watch will not be matte black PVD. It'll probably be like a like a brushed gray type case because cool. you know something. Got it. I want it to be used in like a, a marine, mar, you know, maritime type setting. Yeah. Right. As it's supposed to be, you know, so that means resistance to salt corrosion and things like that. So, yeah, we'll see. That's awesome. Well, thank you again so much. And uh, we'll, we'll get pleasure. you on when you're ready with that watch. All right. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be the first to know. I'll let you Absolutely. know. Absolutely. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you, Nick, again. And yeah, take care. And we look forward to hearing more of your adventures. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it.